Genesis chapter 32, verse 1. And early in the morning Laban rose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his place. So good. Uh, The conflict is over. 2. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. 3. And Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mehenim. Now the angels of God met him to take care of him and get him to Canaan safely. You'll also notice that Abraham had an angel. We read about that earlier in the Bible. And later on, Jacob will tell his sons before he dies that there was an angel that was with him during his entire life. But again, this does not mean that we should worship angels, try to see our angels, try to talk to our angels. The patriarchs were aware that there were angels helping them. I don't know that they could always see the angel, but I know that they didn't engage in angel worship or try to seek out angels or talk to angels. They just knew that they were there and that the angels were sent to help them. And they were sent to help them because this is the line of Jesus Christ. And so God is preserving that lineage and causing these people to prosper and continue on. It's really a miracle that the Jewish people today who were the Israelites and they were the Hebrews survived all these six millennia. It's an absolute miracle and God used angels to help make that happen, to keep them surviving. All the rest of us are are mutts, we're all mixed, but these chosen people are not mixed. Their race has been preserved all these years. And so obviously the angels played a part in that, but angel worship is definitely a sin. Today, a lot of people will actually pray to angels or they will tell angels what to do. You don't see that ever anywhere in the Bible, Old or New Testament. Nobody prays to angels. Nobody commands angels ever in the Bible. We're not to do that. The angels are commanded by Jesus Christ. They take orders from Jesus. They don't take orders from us. We ask Jesus to meet our needs And when he wants to assign an angel for a specific task, he does. But that's up to God, not us. If they come to talk to us, it's because God sent them for a specific reason. 4. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother unto the land of Seir, the field of Edom. Now Edom means red. Esau has red hair. Esau ate the red porridge and lost his birthright. So there's a big thing about red and Esau. And um, Edom actually means red. It's pretty interesting and cute. Anyway, he was getting ready to cross Seir. So he sent scouts basically ahead of him to see if all is well, (laughs) if it's safe to cross. Because he knows that Esau hated him. 5. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye say unto my lord Esau. See how he says my lord? Because Esau is his older brother. He's afraid of Esau. He doesn't want to be killed. He doesn't want to fight with his brother. And that is good. If you're a younger, you should definitely consider your elder sibling above you. You don't have to call him lord. But it is right to defer to the older and even obey your sibling as long as they aren't telling you to sin. It's right to obey your sibling if the sibling is older than you. Thus saith thy servant Jacob. So Jacob says, I want you to call him my Lord and I want you to call me his servant. Remember, Isaac had blessed Jacob so that Esau would be his servant. But Jacob wants Esau to know that Jacob is willing to be Esau's servant, contrary to the blessing. And this is a really good act of humility 
And Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he said, if you follow me, you must be a servant to all. So God has already made Jacob first, but Jacob is making himself a servant to Esau. So this is a beautiful representation of what Christians are supposed to be like. We're supposed to humble ourselves. And this is what Jacob wants them to tell Esau. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. Six, and I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and maidservants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in thy sight. So Jacob wants Esau to know where he's been, what's happened in his life, that God made him wealthy. And he says, now I want to serve you with my wealth. So that's a pretty beautiful message. Seven, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and moreover he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. So now Jacob doesn't know why he's bringing 400 men. Eight, then Jacob was greatly afraid and was distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps. Because Jacob is saying, well, if he's bringing 400 men, maybe they're fighting men and he wants to battle. So I'm going to split up into two camps so that he'll have to attack one or the other and one camp will at least one camp will survive. Nine, and he said, if Esau come to the one camp and smite it, then the camp which is left shall escape. 10. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who sets unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will do thee good. 11. I am not worthy of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two camps. Isn't that interesting how Jacob tells the Lord, with my staff I passed over this Jordan? We're going to see that happen two more times. So it sounds like Jacob is saying that he crossed the Jordan walking. He walked through the Jordan River. It almost sounds like God parted the river for him. Now God parted the Red Sea when Moses crossed with his staff. Then God parted the Jordan River when Joshua crossed with the Israelites. Then God parted the Jordan River again later in the Old Testament when Elijah crossed. And then he parted it again when Elisha crossed. And now we're reading that apparently God also parted the Jordan when Jacob crossed. So that's five times in the Bible when God parted either a river or a sea so his people could cross. And the Jordan in particular is the same river that Jesus was baptized in. It's the same river, river that both Jesus and John the Baptist had people baptized in. John, John baptized people himself, and Jesus had his apostles baptize people in the Jordan River. So the Jordan River is very prominent, and it's a place of baptism. When God's people pass through the river when the waters part, it symbolizes baptism. And baptism is a sign of repentance of sin. It's a sign of dying to self and following Christ. It means that you don't want to sin anymore. You want to walk in righteousness, which we learn about that when we get to the New Testament in Hebrews and Romans. So it's pretty pretty fascinating, pretty amazing that God uses the, the Jordan River and the Red Sea to symbolize baptism. And that's what makes Christians different. We don't want to sin. We want to have freedom from sin. And Jacob also says, and now I am become two camps. 12. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and smite me, the mother with children. 
Jacob is praying to God, don't let my brother kill me and my children and their mothers. Save all of us. 13. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So now Jacob is reminding God of his promises. 14. And he lodged there that night and took of that which he had with him a present for Esau, his brother. He spent the night there because it's going to take time for Esau to get to him. And while he's there for the night, he's deciding, what am I going to give my brother as a gift to show my love and to appease his anger? So he's picking out gifts for his brother all night long. He's deciding, we're going to give him this, we're going to give him that, we're going to give him that. 15, 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 16, 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls. So a kine must be a cow that isn't milking. 20 she-asses and 10 foals. 17. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said unto his servants. So he gives, he gives each of his servants one of these herds that he's picked out. And he tells them, pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. So he says, I'm going to give Esau presence in sequence, kind of like serving a 10 course mill or a 12 course mill. You give him one part, you wait a little bit, give him the next part, wait a little bit. So he's going to try to do this to cause Esau to not be angry with him anymore. He's going to give him one gift and then after a little bit, another gift and then after a little bit, another gift. And so he's going to bombard Esau with love is basically what he's doing. 18. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? 19. Then thou shalt say, They are thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord, even unto Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So Jacob is telling them, When Esau asks you, Where are you from? What's the meaning of all this? Say it's from your servant Jacob, who wants to give this to you, and he's behind us. So that Esau will keep thinking Jacob's close, but he'll keep getting another gift. 20. And he commanded also the second and the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, In this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. Let him be surprised each time he sees a new gift. 21. And ye shall say, Moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with a present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept me. 22. So the present passed over before him, and he himself lodged that night in the camp. So he knew it was going to take so long for all these droves to go forward, it would take a whole day. So he just stayed behind for an extra day. 23. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two handmaids and his eleven children and passed over the ford of, of the Jabuk. 24. And he took them and sent them over the stream, and sent over that which he had. 25. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the break of the day. So he sent his wives and children ahead of him, and then he's going to come last. But when he was alone, after they left and he fell asleep, a man came. But this is not any man. This is a man from heaven. So it's either Jesus or an angel. And he wrestled with him until morning. So all night long he wrestled with this man. 26. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, meaning he was losing the battle, he touched the hollow of his thigh. So I believe this is an angel because you can't you can't win Jesus. Jacob must have been really strong because remember he moved that 
rock from off the well all by himself, and now he's wrestling an angel, and he seems to be winning. So what the angel did was he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was strained as he wrestled with him. So the angel grabbed Jacob by the inner inner thigh and pulled a ligament. 27, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So the reason they're wrestling is because Jacob knows the angel is from heaven. And he says, I want another blessing from God because Jacob wants to live. He doesn't want his brother to kill him. And he doesn't want his brother to kill all of his family. So he wrestles. He's wrestling with God by wrestling with this angel. The angel is saying, I want to go back to heaven. This could be one of the angels that was watching over Jacob. And Jacob is saying, I'm not letting you go back. I want a blessing from God first because I need to live. 28, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. The angel did know Jacob's name, but in the Bible, you'll find that God and his people ask questions a lot of times when it's actually a statement. I'll try to point this out a few more times, but often when a conversation opens with a question, it's not really a question. It's a statement. Like when they said, hasn't our father robbed us all these years? That was not a question. They weren't asking Jacob if their father robbed them. They were saying, our father has robbed us all these years. So when the angel said, what is thy name? He already knew Jacob's name. He was just getting Jacob to say it out loud. 29, and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for thou hast striven with God and with men and hast prevailed. So the angel is saying, Israel means to prevail. It means that you're striving, yet you prevail. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And we see that with the nation Israel today. They're always striving, but they always prevail. And he was striving with God, not in opposition, but to get more blessing from God. 30. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. So now Jacob wants to know the angel's name. And remember, we're not supposed to worship angels. So we shouldn't be asking angels what their name is. And he, the angel, said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. So the angel said, I'm going to do God's will and bless you, but you don't need to know my name because I'm not important. I serve God. I don't serve you and you don't serve me. My name is none of your business because I'm not your God. So he never told him his name, which is very good. 31. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So Peniel must mean something about seeing the face of God. And if you see an angel, he's God's representative, so that's why he considers it as good as seeing God. 32. And the sun rose upon him as he passed over Peniel, and he limped upon his thigh. So from that point on, Jacob always limps, because the angel injured his thigh. 33. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not the sinew of the thigh vein, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, even in the sinew of the thigh vein. So in that that hollow area, um, up right up high in your thigh, near your pelvic bone, that's where Jacob was injured. That's where the angel grabbed him to injure him on purpose because the angel was tired of fighting. So to commemorate it, Jewish people never eat that part of the animal. And that is where we leave Genesis chapter 32.